Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Nicole Eaton. She is an intuitive therapist, a podcast host, and an author. Welcome, Nicole. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. I cannot wait to jump in and start sharing a little bit about your journey, your story, and the beautiful light you put out into the world through all the incredible work you're doing. Thank you. you I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I think it's going to be just such a fun conversation. It will. It'll be a blast. So with that being said, let's jump in. So you, as I mentioned, you wear all of those hats. I'm curious, how long have you been a therapist and what inspired your journey down the road of becoming Mm. a therapist? Okay. So I've been a therapist since 2011. I graduated with my master's degree and I think all therapists get into therapy because we go through some shit, you know, we deal with a lot of stuff. (laughs) I had a lot of loss early on in my life. I mean, I think probably twice a year I had somebody close to me die for at least four to five years. Yeah. And it really caused a lot of issues in my family system primarily with my sister who developed a really severe eating disorder, was hospitalized numerous times. So I actually got thrown into it because she was in an in-person treatment facility. We would go every weekend to do family work together. So, I mean, I started when I was 11 or 12, submersed in the world of therapy, even if it wasn't directly for me, I was observing it. And I just loved the way that people were talking about emotions because in my family, we just we didn't. It wasn't like we're all talking about our emotional and everybody has emotional intelligence. We don't really talk about the hard stuff. We know it's there. We know that all these passings were really hard. I mean, my cousin passed away at 17 in really traumatic car accident. He was like a brother to me. My aunt passed away at 32, really sudden car accident. Those were six months apart, just those. And so it was like all this stuff was happening and nobody was really talking about it, but the symptoms were coming up in my family system. And I just was watching the therapist and I was like, I want to help people in the way this woman is helping people. And it just stayed with me. Now, you say that your specialty is addressing mindset through traditional mental health practices, but you also incorporate intuition, energy, and manifestation, which of course is quite unique. But I would love to speak about the whole mental health thing for starters. Obviously, through your work, you are a champion or advocate for mental health. So Why is this cause so personally important to you? Why have you decided to make this your personal mission? I just feel like emotional intelligence has a direct correlation with happiness. When you were able to not be victims to our emotions and not be victims to old ways of thinking, then we can step into our new and a better version of ourselves. And I think that creates healthier relationships. I think that creates healthier parent-child dynamics. My house, I have two little girls 
who aren't that little now that I'm saying, <laughs> saying that, but the, I have two young teenage girls who it's so important that we're talking about how they're feeling. I just remember being a teenager and having all these feelings and never putting them anywhere. But the more we have awareness of what's going on for us and the way we're thinking and the power of the way we think, I think that changes everything and it changes our trajectory and our joy and our just overall quality of life. I love that you mentioned that, the fact of your girls and our children. I mean, I think it's so important that we as parents let our children know from a very young age that it is okay to have feelings. It is okay to come to us and talk to us about anything that's on your mind. We have to keep those lines of communication open, always 100% wide open. And if we teach our kids that from a very young age and instill that value or those values, they just grow up not knowing any different. And it's just become second nature, part of their DNA. Yeah. And you know, one of the most powerful things we can do as parents is apologize. Apologize when we had something that we stepped out of line for. Apologize. We lost our temper, raised our voice. Holding ourselves accountable and saying, here's how I would have liked to do this. I'm going to work really hard on doing this differently next time. I think that we're moving and shifting out of a phase of parenting that's like, I know everything and you know nothing, right? The traditional Matilda mindset. But it's so important for our kids to be able to say, oh, I did this wrong. It doesn't make me bad. It just is a normal human reaction. And now I know I can choose to do it differently next time. And here's what I'm going to do to make that happen. Yeah. It's just modeling. We're modeling how we want our kids to be. And, you know, I think we're shifting into a very new paradigm of not being the self-sacrificing martyrs that we used to be as parents, where we are either authoritarian and we know everything, or we're just invisible as an identity and just serving our children. I think we're stepping into a new phase. Yeah, I love that. I want to keep on the path with the whole mental health thing for a little bit here. I'm curious through your work and career dealing with mental health, have you seen a notable shift in mental health and bringing it to the forefront or getting more exposure for the issues of mental health since you first started to where we are now? Yes. I have a little bit of a maybe a controversial opinion okay. on this. I'm just Please share. Okay. I love, I love normalizing that we all go through things. What I don't love is that we're now using things like Instagram and TikTok to self-diagnose. Some things can be present in our life without being a pathology. And I think that's the differentiation that I would love to draw for people is that you can have anxiety without having an anxiety disorder. You can like things organized without having OCD. You can be easily unfocused without having ADHD. Those things in the diagnoses and the pathologies and the medications are for the more extreme situations where it's causing massive disruption in your life. And I think that we've almost stepped a little too far in the opposite direction of labeling everything. And here's my big problem with it, Brad, is that your identity is everything. So when we start to say, I'm not somebody who experiences anxiety, I'm an anxious person, it changes the way we handle things. It changes the way we believe we're capable of handling things. And it just puts us in a messy state where we become victims to a diagnosis or to something we have rather than stepping back into our power and saying, what am I going to do to help manage these symptoms that are coming up for me? And I think I'm extremely passionate about this because I dealt with really bad depression at one point in my life. And I remember doctors telling me, it's probably genetic. It's going to be how you are probably for the rest of your life. You're just going to keep experiencing this and we can keep upping your dosage of medication if that helps, right? And I just remember this moment in time where I was like, I don't want that to be true for me. And I decided it wasn't. And obviously that's not as easy for everybody. So I'm not going to put a blanket over that. But our identity of who we believe 
we are, what we believe is happening to us that's out of our control shapes our identity and who we are. And it makes a massive difference of who we believe we are I've, and how we believe we can handle it. I fucking love that you share that because it, it's so true. We are always so quick to diagnose. I was having a conversation with a woman a while back and we were talking about this issue in schools in particular. She was saying how in the schools that counselors, school counselors are diagnosing these kids saying, oh, well, you've got depression or you've got anxiety or just because we feel anxious or we feel down for a few days does not automatically mean we're depressed or we have anxiety. Stop the fucking armchair diagnosis. You're not a therapist, first of all, so you shouldn't be diagnosing kids. Second of all, the step is to then send them to the doctors. Doctor says, yep, let's write you a script. You're on meds and that's it. That's fucking bullshit. She was talking about how when she was a kid, she was saying that you never heard these words used before and now they're being tossed around like it's just, it is what it is. And yep, you've got anxiety, you've got depression. And she said, you know, I don't think People can speak to depression unless you've actually been down in the depths of depression. You don't know what the fuck it is. You have no clue. Well, and we're also eliminating external circumstances and the people in our lives that are impacting how we feel. And one of the things that I love and I talk about in my upcoming book, Rock Your Comeback, is that our feelings are our way of our body signaling something's not quite right. We're not in the right situation. We're not living in our truth. We're holding things in or back. We're not asking for what we want. It's really more of a, hey, something's not right in your environment or how you're living. Obviously, that's different with kids because they can't quite get out of that environment. But I can't even tell you how many clients I've had that got on antidepressants, but they were in a bad marriage that they probably just really needed to leave. Or how many people got on anxiety pills, but they were in a high pressure job that was not the right fit for them anymore. It's not that those things are bad. And I will advocate for any medication you feel like you need to pull yourself out of a depth of despair any day of the week. If that's what's going to help move you and shift you up to that next level of yourself, please do it. You know, please do it. But just ask yourself, am I in the right place with the right people? Am I living in my truth? Has my truth changed over the years? So I need to get back in touch with it because that's what your emotions really are is they're just guidance. Yeah. They're just messengers. Yeah, But we, we have to stop this diagnosis and being so quick to diagnose, especially with our yeah. children. Oh, it's depression for sure. No, just because you yep. feel sad for a few days does not mean you're depressed. It's okay. That's part of the human experience is you're going to feel sad. You're not going to feel perfect and happy every day. These emotions are going to come up, but it doesn't mean that you're depressed or that you have anxiety and all of these things. It's just ridiculous the direction we've gone and how we're so quick to, here you go, here's some meds, let's get you, we're zombifying these kids. And it's not right. I would love to see people addressing their, especially for kids, the kids' mental health with a diet change. Let's get some more whole, clean foods in here instead of the highly processed foods. Movement, where my kids even, I have to be like, hey, it's sunshine outside. Get your butts outside, (laughs) you know, because their inclination is to be playing even next to a friend on their iPads or on their phones. Yeah, It is a age of technology where we're not moving our bodies, we're not eating healthy food is kind of hard to find right now, really clean Mm -hmm. stuff. But those two things alone, getting out and having sunshine, the basics matter when it comes to sleeping, when it comes to eating in your mental health. And I would love to see people intentionally do that first for themselves, for their kids before they jump into medication. Absolutely. Unless it's very severe. 
That's my, yeah, you know, obviously the caveat. There's suicidal ideation. Please get your child. Yeah. Off. But if they're just sad or down or don't seem like themselves, connection, sleeping, food, water, getting outside, all of those things will help and will make a difference if we're intentional about using them. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Nicole. Now, I still think that mental health awareness is nowhere near where it should be. It doesn't get talked about enough. And in my opinion, it's still swept under the rug like it's a dirty secret. Would you agree with that? And why do you think that is, in your opinion, if you agree? I think it's changing. Mm-hmm. I do. I think that it's more widely accepted. I think there will always be people with really traditional mindsets who are like, we don't talk about it. We don't ask about it, you know. But I do think that it's, it's just watching in my daughter's age. She went to camp last week and they were all talking about like, oh, this girl has anxiety or this girl's dealing with autism. Or It was very vocal in terms of emotional intelligence. My daughter, who is 15, is one of the most emotionally intelligent people I have ever met. Obviously, I like to believe it's part of the environment, but the way she handles situations, the way she handles herself, I think that the millennial generation has kind of started passing down, normalizing. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be depressed. I feel like we're talking about it more. I think in the past, it was sweeped under the rug as a shameful thing of you have to be embarrassed because the more we closet anything, the bigger of a threat it becomes. So I think it's changed. Even since I started my work in mental health, I've seen more and more people talking about it, advocating for it, sharing their stories around it. And that makes a huge difference. It does. Absolutely. In your opinion, how do we continue to make bigger strides and bring more awareness to the problem, to the issue? We just talk about yeah. it. We share, we let people know that it's normal to feel the ways you're feeling in the situations you're at in your life, that different phases will bring emotions that are harder. And we all have those hard stopping points where it's challenging or we're going through something. And more importantly, that it's temporary, that we don't have to stay in any emotion for a really long time. I used to believe when I was really depressed, I used to believe once it started, I was like, I'm here for months. I just didn't believe in my power to get out of it. I didn't believe it was temporary. I had really limited thinking around it. And so I think just reminding people that it's temporary and continuing to talk about, oh, well, sometimes I feel anxious too. I've actually really noticed specifically with male culture, Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot more men talking in a vulnerable way and I'm loving it. (laughs) I'm just loving it. I think that it needs to be a new normal for men to be like, I'm anxious, I'm concerned, I'm worried, I'm feeling afraid, I feel sad, I feel like I didn't do what I'm supposed to be doing. Having those open conversations and letting people know it's okay to feel whatever the fuck you're feeling, Yeah, that alone. For sure. It's huge because we as boys typically are conditioned to believe that you can't show your emotions. What the fuck's wrong with you? You're a little girl. Stop acting like, like it's ridiculous. Yep. We have to shift the conversation around that for men. Women are naturally emotional. They're natural nurturers. So it just comes to women naturally. But boys and men were taught, no, you can't do that. What are you thinking? So we need to open up that. Yeah, we need to open up that conversation for more men to let them know that it is okay to share your feelings. You're a human being. You have feelings. You have emotions. You know, there is no way around it. You're a human. You're going to go through these things and it's okay to talk about it. Yeah, there's just different expectations and different ways of handling for each gender. But I really feel like I feel like we are making strides. I, I know it's slow. And that's the thing, too. It's like, I know it's slow. 
But I really believe so deeply in humanity and the direction we're going. And I know it looks really messy right now, but I think all transitions look messy while they're happening because some things are falling apart and some things are moving this way and some things are going the opposite (laughs) direction. And it's all okay. You can only do your part. And if your part is this, just that you try to show up as your best self for your kids or your spouse and you show up with love and you show up as whatever the best version of yourself is, you're doing your That's job. It. That's it. You're doing your part in this whole bigger picture. And that's all that we can do. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest roadblock or hurdle that's preventing us from shining a brighter light onto the mental health issue and getting more assistance and awareness? I think the biggest roadblock, I mean, I'm just a couple popped in my head, right? Is I think the biggest roadblock is still, we're still in that borderline shame closet, right? As Brene Brown says, you can't from shame until it's out. And so the more people who talk about it, the more people who are able to release that shame. But I think that we're evolving mental health. And so I think there is kind of this barrier between traditional mental health and what a lot of people like me are doing. And a lot of people like me are former therapists. And we realized that talking about the past isn't always the answer. And so I think we're kind of on this thing where does therapy work? Does it not work? And I think the way that we've done therapy in the past, not to say it doesn't work, it does for plenty of people, but are we evolving into a new space and a new level of therapy by honoring the past, understanding the lessons that come from it, while also reminding you of who the fuck you are today, (laughs) what you're capable to do in this moment, the actions you can take and the way you can reprogram your mind so that you're not ever doing that again and you're not having those triggers again and that you're not having those responses again. (laughs) So I think it's kind of in a weird space. Mental health has grown a lot even since I started it. When I started as a traditional mental health counselor, Mental health counselors specifically were only about five years old. Wow. It was social workers and social workers weren't trained in one-to-one therapy. Right. So when mental health counselors were specifically trained hours and hours for this specific sitting with one person and just getting to know them, asking the right questions, being trained in the right questions, I think started to change things. And then when you're locked in with someone, Brad, when you're spending an hour totally present with somebody in a conversation, I mean, you know, from this work, right? It's like you're so locked into their energy that you just, you experience them in a new way. And so- I always say the blessing of mental health is that I've been able to experience people in just the deepest of deep ways and the most soulful ways. And so I think we're moving to something different where we're honoring not just the past and the ways we've been thinking and the things that are in our way and focusing on the problem, but we're really looking at, okay, that did happen. Cool. We know that. We'll understand that. We'll learn patterns from it. What are we going to do now? Yeah, let's. What can happen moving forward? Yeah, exactly. And I love that you stated the fact. I'm hearing a lot of the women that I've talked to that were therapists that have jumped into an evolved type of therapy, coach it, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Every one of them, now including you, have said when you look at traditional therapy, it's always talking about the past. You're always looking backwards. We can't. Listen, we have to acknowledge the past. Absolutely. You cannot move forward if you don't, but we can't stay stuck in the past. We have to look at things in a different light and start to look at things and practice things differently, not living in the past. Let's look at how we're going to move forward instead of keep bringing up the past because you're never going to get out of it if you stay there. You're going to stay stuck in the muck. So we have to look forward. In the victim mentality. Yeah. 
You can't take your power back if you are a victim to the situation. And sure, plenty of times we are a victim to other people's awful choices or awful things that they've done or said. No doubt about it. But in this present moment, are you still under their thumb? Are you still giving them power? Are you still a victim to this situation? And I think that's where traditional therapy goes a little bit sideways (laughs) is that people have, I've talked to somebody the other day. He was like, I've been in therapy for seven years. I'm like, that. No, like I'm just wondering if your therapist is the right fit for you because I would hope that you would feel confident enough to go out on your own after a small amount of time or even transfer to somebody like a life coach after therapy. We're not meant to sit and just stew in our, you know, in that, that creates energy, that negative swirling, whirling conversation. If you're not being challenged that maybe some of the things you're thinking aren't helpful, if you're not being challenged as much as you're being listened to, then I would encourage you to just check around, (laughs) try someone new. I don't think we're meant to be in therapy forever. I think it's built for moments in our life where we're ready to go to the next level. And I just, maybe that's an unpopular opinion and maybe that's not true for everybody. I don't want to make a blanket assumption, but yeah, I think that- Seven years in therapy is quite- Yeah. I'm just like, you're smart. It's great to have a space, but then it just makes me think, okay, is that becoming a codependent relationship? Are you feeling like you need this person to do your daily functions? I don't know. I just. But shouldn't. Okay. So I'm going to ask, shouldn't the therapist be looking at their skill set and abilities? It's like, okay, I think it's time. We've been in this for seven years here. I think we've got to start moving forward and maybe you should look at a coach instead of a therapist. And, but then again, is it about this? Is it about the money? Is it like, there's so many things, right? And again, you can't say a blanket statement about it, but it makes me wonder. It's like, well, are you really holding up your end of the bargain here? Cause you also have a responsibility in this as a therapist to your client. No, I mean, as somebody who regularly refers people out or as somebody who knows when I'm not the right fit for somebody or somebody who is really intentional about not letting people get to, I let people decide on their own. I never say, Hey, you're going to come back next week. I will never say that. I will say, I want you to go home and sit with how our session went today. And I want you to kind of feel into what feels right for you for your next session. If you want to wait on it and see when you feel the need to connect with me again, or if you're feeling like, man, I just, I want to keep some momentum flowing, whatever that might be. I like to give people autonomy and feeling through how I fit best in their healing journey. I don't ever decide that, but there are some people who do, and there are some people who are in a more traditional mindset when it comes to therapy, neither good nor bad, just not the way I do things. Yeah. Well, that speaks volumes as to who you are, Nicole, as a coach, as, as a therapist, all of these things, it speaks volumes to your ethics. I love, and I believe in people and I believe in their ability to make choices on their own. And I will never guide them to make a choice because I feel like it's the right thing. I love it. it. (laughs) You yourself, you've alluded to it. You've mentioned it a couple of times, have dealt with and had some personal struggles around mental health. Can you share a little bit about your journey? Yeah. I always think, when did it start? start? I think I noticed that it was starting with all of that. I was telling you, we had several losses in the family. My family was really focused on my sister who was unwell. I often got left with my grandma who slept the whole time. So I was kind of left to my own devices a lot as a kid. And I wrote some pretty dark poetry I've recently discovered. (laughs) (laughs) My dad moved. I was like, oh, yikes. I had some stuff going on there. But it wasn't until I got married when I was 19 And three months after, I found out I was unexpectedly expecting. Mm. And I was never the type of person who was like, I'm going to have a family and I'm going to get married. I just never had a bigger future 
picture for myself in that way. I was still in my bachelor's degree and it was right around the time that my parents also got divorced and my mom moved 700 miles away from our family home. So everything I knew was like a foundation of home was just gone and I had nothing. And I found out a week before my mom moved that I was expecting. So I had no support, wow. no help. All my friends were like 2021. 20, They're not partying and having fun. Have anything to do with babies. I had nobody around me had kids. It was just a very isolating scary experience. And after we had her, I mean, I was still in school. My husband worked a commission-only job. We were paying for daycare that was so... I mean, I don't know if you've ever paid for daycare, but it is like the most expensive yeah, thing you'll ever pay for. And so we're doing this with not knowing what income's coming in each month because my husband's making commission only. It was just down to the wire of what utility are we keeping on this month? I mean, we were so broke, so isolated. We didn't have hardly any families help with the kid. And it just felt like, what did I do? (laughs) And I think it really was probably a mix of postpartum depression too, but nobody around me was talking about postpartum. I didn't know anything about postpartum. So I just kind of stayed in that sadness and that energy for a long time. I mean, there were just so many days if I didn't have school that I was still going to, I don't know if I would have gotten out of bed. I don't know. I just had so many dark, hopeless, helpless, trapped thoughts at that time in my life. And I would love to tell you that it was a quick, just right after she was born. But I mean, it probably lasted until after my second daughter was born. And I had my second daughter a week after I graduated with my master's degree. Wow. And so it was probably three solid years of me just trying to survive and get through school because I knew I wanted school. And I was like, okay, well, maybe when I get done with school to get better, it'll get better. And I had that at least belief that kind of kept me afloat enough. But it was a really dark time. I just never felt so alone, but so burdened with responsibility in my entire life. The kids are the biggest responsibility you'll ever have. And then on top of that, you're dealing with this depression and you're trying to get yourself through school. I can't even fucking imagine the struggle. I was like, I was nursing. So I was like using my manual breast pump because I couldn't afford an automatic one. But I was using that in the school bathroom every lunch break. I wasn't even eating lunch because I didn't have time because I needed to pump because that was my goal to do a year of nursing. So it was all of these things and all of these pieces that just kept adding on. And on top of the debt, it was just like, we could never get ahead. I mean, every time we started to, something came up and it was, and again, I went to a doctor and they're like, this is genetic and you're going to probably have this for the rest of your life. And they sold me the bill of goods that a lot of people get sold is that it wasn't just the fact that we were broke, new parents didn't have a good friend group or connection around us. It wasn't the circumstances. It was me as a person that yeah. they were trying to tell me. Unbelievable. And so Nicole, how have these experiences then helped shape the Nicole you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? So the cool thing is that you don't stay in the dark forever if you allow yourself to be willing to be open to believe something new. And I remember that after my second daughter was born, I started to just be like, this can't be it. And I just remember repeating that to myself all the time. There has to be something better for me. There has to be something more for me. And I remember somebody handed me the book, The Secret for, I don't know, just some kind of a holiday or something. And I started to read through it. And I've known mental health. Like I'm at this point in my life, a counselor. (laughs) I am a very depressed fucking counselor. Okay. (laughs) So I knew all about psychology. I knew all about mindset. I knew all about all these things that you're supposed to know about. 
and it just didn't make a difference. But here's what did as I read the secret and I started to combine the way mindset worked and mental health worked with the energy of the universe. And it became this game of, well, I wonder if I start to shift my thoughts, if anything will be different. And it just became less about me having to do it all myself and more about me collaborating with the universe to create something incredible in my life. And my first thing I ever manifested is I was reading through The Secret. It's very basic, base level manifestation book. Misses a lot of good stuff, but I will say it got me going. And one of the things it suggested was to manifest checks. And obviously, you know how broke I was, right? So I began to just say, okay, well, wouldn't it be nice if something came in the mail that was a check? And I put maybe a couple more intentions into it. And then I just forgot about it, went on with my life. And three weeks later, I get a $600 or $700 check from a company that I had worked at seven years prior that had an audit done. And I was like, okay, so I don't have to figure out the how because I would have never figured that out. And it was this light bulb moment that just led me into all of these books on books about manifestation and YouTube videos on spirituality because that had to do something with manifestation. And then the more spiritual I started to become, the more in tune with myself I started to become. And then it kind of unlocked this situation where I'm in sessions with people and I'm starting to pick up intuitively things that they haven't maybe mentioned or blocks that they have that helps us get through therapy quicker or just energy shifts that I can make while we're talking. And I am so deeply passionate about the work I do because I know personally that it works. You just can't make it it shit up. You can't. And that's the funny thing too, Brad, is I'm not a religious person. I'm not somebody who was brought up with any religious background or spiritual background. To me, it was a little bit of a joke about God existing because it was so far removed from my day-to-day life. We didn't talk about it. I had one aunt who had her own religious things going on that I thought were weird and strange and different. And at the time, it wasn't something that I always say, I didn't find God, God found me. And It was just something that started to shift everything in my life. And it became this really cool ladder, right? Is it wasn't just, okay, there's a a check in the mail. It was like, oh, okay, so what else can I do here? Oh, okay, well, what if I manifest my confidence? And what if I manifest how I feel about myself? And what if I manifest opportunities? And it was like, I started to feel a little bit better. And then my husband got a different job that wasn't strictly commissioned so we could count on money coming in. And then I got a new job. And then we manifested my daughter opening a a spot at a free pre-K opened up, which saved us 15,000 a year. I mean, that was massively huge, right? So it wasn't that things were magic, but it was that doors were opening that were never opening before or that I didn't even know existed before. Light bulb that went off that I was like, oh shit, we're on to something. (laughs) I think it's important to mention too, that you can't just sit there and say, okay, I'm going to manifest this and that, and then just leave it alone. This takes practice. You have to believe, you have to continually work at it. You can't just one day say, okay, I'm going to manifest a check in the mail and then that's it. Leave it alone. And oh, look, I got a check. No, it's not how it works. It takes work to do that, to get to that point. So I'm going to ruin that just for a okay, second sure. because that first time, that's what it was. <laughs> and I hate to be like that because I don't teach manifestation like that now. Yeah. But I think the universe needed a gateway into possibility for me. Okay. And I think that's how it showed up. So I don't teach manifestation like that now. Actually, do you want my favorite manifestation yeah, tool? Please. 
Okay. This is something I've used since then. This is a, a practice that I still do daily. I did this morning and I write a letter to the universe, to God, to angels, to, their, to your higher self, whoever you believe in, whatever resonates most for you. And I write a thank you note as though the things that I desire already have occurred. The person I desire to be has already occurred. And if I can't say, oh, I'm super fucking depressed, right? And I can't be like, oh, I'm feeling great joy. I find a stair step. I'm thankful to feel a little bit better every single day. I'm thankful for you showing me things from new perspectives every single day so that I can open my mind and expand who I am. And that practice changed my entire life because I'm revisiting those intentions every single day. I'm deciding who I am every single morning. I'm putting myself in a state of gratitude the minute I wake up and I'm connecting with the universe to know that I don't have to do it alone because when at my darkest, that's how I felt as I had to do it alone. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a beautiful tip. And so every day you write a letter to the universe. Every single day. And I don't go hard every day. Sometimes <laughs> I don't have time for that sometimes, but my, I prioritize how I feel about myself because I know that when I feel good about myself and I feel confident, I feel good in my own skin, I feel powerful. Like when I feel those things, I'm at my best. So that helps and I believe that the world is your mirror so that when you feel your best, good things come back to you. When you feel your best, you're on that 10-story building. You're at the top. You're at the crystal in the penthouse suite <laughs> with the good news. So I prioritize how I feel and how I sit in my body and how I feel about myself more than I do anything else. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Nicole. Now, this is a great segue into your unique approach. As we mentioned off the top, you incorporate multiple modalities in your work, like manifestation and energy work and all of these things. Can you speak a little bit about that and how you incorporate those into your work when you're working with your clients? Manifestation and mindset work are one in the same. Okay, They really are. Mindset work and, and being willing to believe new thoughts, not getting distracted and hung up on limiting beliefs. It's just about expanding your mind. And when we expand our mind and we start to tell ourselves new stories, our brain starts looking for proof in your external world and your internal world. I like to say your brain is like a Google search bar and whatever you type in, it will find. It's really loyal. It's dedicated. So when I started to look into manifestation a little deeper, I'm like, oh, this is just opening up different neural pathways. Now, do I believe there's energy involved in that? Yes. But even if you don't, even if you can't get there and that's not your wheelhouse and you don't want to go down that trippy little road that I'm on, that's cool too because the power of intentionally thinking new thoughts, even if it's just a little bit of a better thought, will open up your mental memory because we actually have state-dependent memory, which means that depending on what mood we're in, we'll remember things. If you're in a bad mood, you're going to think your childhood was bad. Right. You're going to think that relationship that you've been in has always been shit. If you're in a good mood, same thing. So we have state-dependent memory, which means that we have to be really intentional about the energy that we're putting into things. And I just believe the universe is supporting us. And the, the cool thing is that I don't say that lightly and I don't say that without really solidly meaning it is that the reason I believe the things I do is because I've forced that to prove it to me. I ask the universe, I'm demanding a shit. I ask the <laughs> universe all the time, help me out here. This is where I'm supposed to be. Show me what's next. Show me the next right move. I've had so many instances and situations that I have just not been able to excuse as anything else as there's got to be a bigger, better energy. And once I started my intuition practice, and I can go into that if you want yeah, me to tell sure. you that truth. Yeah. When I started sitting with people one-on-one, -on -one, getting into their energy, I started to know things about them. And 
that was a weird thing. I was like, am I losing my mind or is this normal? And I remember going to my boss at the time who I ended up opening a practice with later on. And I just said, this is happening to me. Does this ever happen to you? I feel like I just know things about people while they're telling me. And and it's always, did I tell you that? And well, you had to have, because how would I know that? Right? So I was just so worked up about this because it was freaking me out. What's wrong with me? What's going on with me? What is this about? And so I actually went and trained with a psychic medium for about two years of different classes, different tests. And I remember the biggest test was that you're in a room with a blindfold on and people come behind you and you just kind of say what you feel. You just say what feels true about that person. And I just remember... They tap your right shoulder if it's correct and left shoulder if it's wrong. And I just remember this one person, I just felt so deeply into their soul and they just kept tapping right. And the next thing I know, they're just sobbing, breaking down. I've never talked to this person, never met this person, never seen this person, never heard this person speak. But because there's energy present that I know enough about them to know their deepest fears, worries, what's going on in their work relationships that haven't worked out. And it was just this moment where it was like, I'm not making this up. You can't make this up. How am I going to cultivate this? And also, how am I going to teach other people to hear their intuition in the ways that I do? Because I think my intuition comes from God and I can feel that because it always does good. It always feels good and it always does good. And I know a lot of people have different beliefs about that, but I just believe our intuition speaking to us at all times and I can teach you how to use it and I can teach you how to use it well so that you're making choices that feel really good to you and you're putting yourself in alignment with your highest self. But yeah, it was a wild little journey and now nobody could talk me out of it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you for sharing that story, Nicole. Now, obviously, mindset is, as we've talked about and touched on, mindset is a huge part of your work and I think is part of our daily routines. So I would love for you to share how important a part mindset played in helping you through your struggles and your journey. And how important is it really to our daily journey, our daily successes and routines? Mindset is everything. It's how you're thinking about that. And your thoughts produce emotion. So your emotion produces action. It's kind of like a trickle-down effect. So if we can start off our day or even overnight, I've been huge on nighttime hypnosis, nighttime affirmations, nighttime binaurals. If you can start off your morning with deciding who you get to be for the day, deciding how it gets to go for you, deciding what your relationships look like, if you can start off your day with at least an openness towards something better, you'll see it. And I always tell people too, for me, it's not a one and done situation. Maybe it is for other people. Maybe they can visit their mindset once and set it and program it and call it a day. I will easily drift into a worse version of myself if I don't stay true to my routine of taking care of my mindset. So it is telling you, it's informing you, it's searching in your external world and in your internal world for proof, for evidence of the things that you're thinking. Have you ever had a really bad day and it just kept getting worse? It was just like a domino effect of bad days and it just kept coming. Did it just keep coming or did you just keep noticing the things that were going wrong? Were those things that were going wrong on a good day, but there were more good things that you were focused on that they were in your direct line of vision? Our mindset controls everything in the very fun, fun, fun fact about it is that at any moment of the day, even if you've had a shitty morning, because sometimes mornings are shitty, you can take a deep breath. You can listen to an affirmation video. You can do some journaling. You can rewrite your day and you get to start over. 
it doesn't have to be that if you're having a bad day, it is a bad day. Although sometimes we just get to start over, right? But mindset and the way you're viewing the world, you will always see what you believe to be true about the world. And I wrote a lot about this in my first book, Rock Your Soul. The whole thing is on mindset. If you guys have any interest in that, it's on Amazon or my website. But that whole book is basically about our perception is built on our beliefs. And our beliefs are programmed from thoughts that we keep thinking. So if the only thing that creates a belief is a repetitive thought over and over again and our willingness to believe it, then we can create anything. <laughs> I will put the, that's pretty exciting. I will put the link to your book in the show notes for sure when your episode drops, definitely, for yeah. people that want to check that out. So I want to continue on the whole mindset thing, business and the struggles that go along with all of it. So often we hear from experts like yourself who've overcome adversity, who've overcome their struggles, transformed their pain to discover their purpose, which is amazing and powerful. But I'd love to hear from you now with all that you've gone through and come out the other side what are some of the struggles you still face today around mindset? Because just because we've come out the other side of the trenches doesn't mean that those things still don't come up. We're constantly evolving. We're human beings. These things are going to come up for us from time to time. Can you share a little bit about how you deal with it now as opposed to how you dealt with it then? It's almost like you're probably able to turn the volume down much quicker now because of the knowledge you've gained, right? That's the key, Brad, is the quickness in which you can turn it around. It's not that bad days don't happen or even self-doubt. I recently launched a membership, which I'd love to talk about in a few, but I recently launched a membership and I was planning on launching it on May 22nd. And I got there and I was like, nope, I cannot do it today. I do not believe in myself enough today. I need to clear this out and do some more work. And so I spent time intentionally clearing it out I spent time sitting with what were those underlying beliefs? What's underneath this? And underneath this was an old story about not being good enough or people not valuing what I have to offer. And so I had to really sit with that for almost a week and a half, two weeks, and really just attend to it every day and say, what is it that's showing up for me? Where did it come from? And is it ready to go? Is it ready to be replaced with something new? Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes you have a belief that needs to stick around a little longer. And sometimes you're like, I don't believe that. And you start over. But it is the quickness in which you can decide. And the other thing I will say too is I've realized, especially as somebody who is very intuitive, energy plays a massive role in stuck thinking. Massive role. If it's almost like when you have hard energy or you just stuff is going on in your house and or it's been a challenge or you've had a lot of negative thoughts, it acts as like a helmet. And I haven't entirely figured this out in relation to mental health entirely, but I do know that when people are really stuck in their thoughts, the first thing I recommend is that they do some energy work. So whether that is saging, Palo Santo, taking an Epsom salt bath, listening to some binaural beats, clearing out their energy so that they can think new thoughts because I swear it acts like a helmet of some sort and you can't even access and you can't even imagine accessing a new thought. Have you ever had that happen where you're so in your head that you just can't even, you just ruminate and you can't even imagine thinking something new? That's a sign to clear your energy for me. So it's taken me a long time to recognize, oh, if I'm in this mindset for too long, it's not because I need to be. It's because I need to clear the energy 
and reset. So I actually like to, if this is my bad day recipe, is that you just acknowledge it. We don't fight it. We just acknowledge it. Okay. Am I ready to start over right now? Or do I need to kind of just deal with today? And if I need to deal with today, then what am I going to do to set myself up for a better day tomorrow? So I'm going to clear the energy all through my house, all through my space. I'm going to take a good Epsom salt bath. And if I can access it, I will try to write for thank you letter. Thank you for allowing me to feel a shift in my energy. Thank you for allowing me to feel a shift in my mindset. I'm open and willing to believe new thoughts. Please help my energy shift throughout the night. I'm waking up my best self. I've got a really restful night's sleep. I'm really intentional about creating a different energy and momentum to wake up in because that matters. And I didn't know when I first started this journey and I had that really bad depression, I think a lot of it was energy. But I didn't know anything about energy to be like, oh, I need to sage and clear my energy and then I'll feel mentally better. It wouldn't have made sense to me at that time. But now I look at it, especially if you're just sensitive. If you're a sensitive person, check that the energy is even yours. Check that you're not dealing with somebody who's in a tough space and taking on their energy as your own. Those things matter when it comes to your mindset more than you think. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. What is one tip or takeaway that listeners can implement immediately to start reconditioning their minds for the success that they want? You have to be open to be willing to believe something new. And everybody likes to do that differently. So I would say find what works for you in creating new thoughts, even if that's something as simple as pairing a a better thought, just even one, just one better thought with something you do daily. So whether that's brushing your teeth, while you're brushing your teeth, you just repeat that thought. While you're driving in the car, you put on affirmation YouTube video. I love Amanda Francis. I love her affirmation videos. I can pull her energy too. So if you're energetically sensitive, as much as you can absorb and attract bad energy, you can intentionally plug into better energy. So find somebody who makes you feel powerful. And I always hope that's me, but find somebody who makes you feel powerful. Or as I said, you writing down a little thank you note or a letter to the universe, what you're doing is not just connecting with the universe. It's not just doing that. It's also programming your mind to say, I'm confident. I'm magnetic. I remember when I was in a really deep depression and I was working with that psychic medium, she was to date one of the most powerful people that I've ever met. And I just remember thinking, she's such a powerhouse. Every time she walks into the room, you can just feel her energy fill up the room. I want that. I want to be like that. I want people to just feel my energy when I walk into the room because I'm so confident. So I just started to write, I'm a powerhouse. I'm willing to believe I'm a powerhouse. I feel powerful in my body. My energy is contagious and magnetic and everybody can feel it and resonate with it. And so it's just about finding what works for you and There's no right answer for any of that. Nicole, you are the creator of the Comeback Club. Can you talk a little bit about that, what it's all about, how it works, what the inspiration was behind creating it? Tell us all the good stuff about the Comeback Club. Yes. Oh, I love the Comeback Club. Thank you for asking. (laughs) The Comeback Club is my own little creation. I'm not a huge fan of social media. I'm on it. I post. I do all the things. But I think there's so much just negative energy, just harsh vibes that are there that you encounter that you don't even mean to. You just connect and plug into everything. And I was like, ooh, what would it be like to create something that is similar to social media that had just good stuff, positive stuff, positive people who are growing, people who are learning, people who are wanting to better themselves. So I created the Comeback Club, which is all the trainings I've ever made. So every training I've ever made that I've charged hundreds and thousands of dollars for all in one spot with a new training every month. 
from either me or a guest expert. We do weekly journal prompts together. We connect once a week, usually through a live video. And then once a month, we do a live Q&A. So everybody gets to join and ask personal questions of where they are in their journey. It's so much fun. And it's really important to me that I make things accessible and affordable. As my time gets less, my sessions have gone up in price. And so I wanted to create something where anybody could join and get the most out of it for a price that I could have paid back in the day, right? right. So it's only $22 a month. And you could go in for one month, binge everything, and then peace out. And I don't even care. I just want you to get whatever you need from it. That's really important to me. But I hope and think you'll want to stay because it's a lot of fun. And all the people in it are so amazing so far. I've been very lucky and blessed that we have just the most incredible group right now. And it's just a rolling open. So you can come and go as you want. But yeah, it has a new training every month and access to hours and hours of training including the comeback course, which is loosely based on the book, it actually has more energetics than the book probably in its personal and it has a workbook with it and everything too. So lots awesome. of fun in there. Well, we will definitely yeah. put the link in the show notes for that as well for those who are interested in checking it out and possibly joining Nicole's comeback club. You are also a podcast host. Can you share the name of your podcast? Is it interview style, solo episodes? What's the subject matter of the podcast? What was the inspiration behind starting a podcast for you? Yes. So I have the podcast Rock Your Comeback, which is based on the book coming out in <laughs> August, Rock Your Comeback. It's actually funny because I have done about 180 episodes as Rock Your Soul which was based on my old book. And I just felt like I was birthing something new and a new energy. And so I call this my comeback era is this new branding and new phase of the podcast is really about helping people step into their comebacks, step into their best selves, move through hard things that maybe have kept them down or stuck. And it goes through the five facets that I go through in my book, which is the black hole moments and the hard times and moving out of the like really challenging muck that we get into. And then going into a space where we start to understand what's going on and start to look at the patterns and look at the ways we're thinking and look at the people we're surrounding ourselves with. And then we get to do the mindset work, which we all know I'm hyped about. And then we get to the light and the universe and all of that stuff. And the last phase of that is the manifestation. So it has a little bit of something for everybody, no matter what phase of your comeback you're in, it's got something for you in there got plenty of different podcast guests. Brad is going to be coming up on my podcast, but I also do some solo episodes and I have a, a standing guest. Her name's Heather Mayo. She is a fitness expert, but she does so much incredible work on body image and just loving yourself and your health and fitness journey. You guys will love her as much as I do, but yeah, a little bit of everything on there. I kind of just do what I want, Brad. That's my MO. <laughs> well, I do was, what I feel like. <laughs> I know we recently did my interview on your show and it was an amazing conversation. So Again, we will put that, the link to your podcast in the show notes as well, so people can check it out and see the beauty that you're putting out into the world through your podcast. Now, you've mentioned the book a few times. You've got one out, and you said you're launching your second one in August. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Can you give us a bit of info on it, insight? Yeah. As to what it's so all it's, about. it's really what I just described is those five facets of healing of being able to pull yourself out of either a black hole moment. I think there's two, two components to change, right? I think there's either change that's thrust upon you. And I call those the black hole moments where your just world feels like you're shooken up and you get sucked into this energy of how's everything else still going on without me. Or you're so uncomfortable and you know something's got to change, but you're either not ready or not willing yet. 
And then we go into that space of we get to look at how do we begin to change things for ourselves? How do we begin to set ourselves up to think differently, to see things from a new perspective, to undo things like, you know, start setting boundaries, start asking about the types of people we're holding in our lives and the things that, you know, you self-abandonment is a big chapter actually in my book of just how okay. do we come back to ourselves? And then we go into the mindset. How do we really change our mind? What are the tools? I don't like saying here, we're just going to change our mind and it's going to be easy. I like to give you real tools. And my editor was very like, particular about that. There are so many different types of tools throughout this book for any phase, for whatever you're ready for. And there's questions throughout. So you can really do the work here. And then we go into the phase where I share my story about how I became an intuitive, what I believe to be true about energy, ways energy might be impacting you, ways to hear your intuition, a little story about trusting the universe. And then the last chapter is all about manifesting and really teaching you how to lock in and what manifestation really is and how to access it. Not a positivity bypassing kind of way, but in a real authentic, deep-seated, soulful way. And that's coming out in August. August 22nd. We'll pre-sale soon. I don't have the pre-sale date, but hopefully by the time this releases, I'll have a good link and everybody can go snatch it up before it gets wild. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? My intuition, 100%. I don't do anything I'm supposed to do. I never have. I really listen to the guidance. I've built several successful businesses, not because I do any traditional things the correct way, but because I listen to the next right step. And I'm always listening for the next right step. And I think sometimes people make the mistake of listening to their intuition's first nudge and then ignoring the rest and trying to use logic and then being like, well, why didn't it work? I felt intuitively called to do that. And the thing is you have to keep listening and tuning in and honoring it. But yeah, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I do what I feel like doing. (laughs) I'll say that again. (laughs) For good measure. Let's really drive that point home. (laughs) Just get it. (laughs) Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does success mean to you? That's a great question. Success used to look way different for me. I think when I first started, I opened a business called Clarity and I wanted to be like the next Gabby Bernstein. I really was like that, like fame, that idea of reaching so many people was so alluring to me. And then I moved and I kind of had a rebirth is when you move 700 miles away from everything, you drop your business. I moved because I felt called to. And then I got here and I was like, shit, what did I do? Uh, But It really helped me reconnect with myself, reconnect with who I am in different spaces. And for me, success now looks like feeling free and feeling peaceful and enjoying my day. I don't answer business emails on the weekends. I have really strong boundaries and protective of myself and my family time. So for me, it's like, I love the idea of impacting the most people, but I also love the idea of peace and freedom more than I love anything. Love that. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Hands down manifestation. Before learning about how to work with the universe and how powerful my thoughts were, I was just depressed as hell. I just didn't believe in anything. I didn't 
see a bigger future for myself. I had goals. Sure. I mean, I got three degrees, but the world feels so synchronistic and magical. Every single day of my life, there is some level of magic. There is something that happens. I was behind this car the other day and it just said, God's got it. I mean, that's all it said. And it was just like, oh, okay. Or the other day I was out for a walk and I just felt the need to run. And I mean, I haven't been a runner in a long time because I have jacked up knees, but I was out for <laughs> this run. And so I ended up because I was running and because I was moving so quickly, I ended up going a different path than I would have. And I just ran and I stopped. And when I stopped, I looked down and in the cement, it just said, God loves you. <laughs> Like somebody had carved it into the cement. And that's the magic of not just manifesting, but trusting the universe. And in the Comeback Club this month, actually this week, there's going to be a course released on trusting the universe. That's probably one of the most powerful courses that I've ever co-created with somebody. But there is just such magic that shows up in your life when you know you're not alone, when you trust the universe, when you invite the universe in, but also when you recognize the power of your own thoughts because at any moment of any day, no matter how shitty your day is, no matter how bad it's gone for the week, you can reclaim it and you can start over. And I don't know what my life would look like if I didn't know that Again, about myself. You, you, you just about can't you just can't make this shit up. <laughs> like you can't you just can't. There, it's on my Instagram. Go look for it because I love it. That, it was such a moment. Oh, that's adorable. The universe is cute. <laughs> the universe is so cute if we let it be cute. We just have to be open to seeing things differently. Okay, so I gotta ask then what would you suggest? One tip to give people to start opening themselves up and start into the world of manifestation. How do people begin if they have no idea where to start? I think it really, so this is kind of not answering your question entirely, but it depends <laughs> on the person. It depends on what you need. It depends on where you're at and there will be no prescription. But if you can take five minutes in your morning or at night, it doesn't really matter, whatever you have five minutes and you just put your hand over your heart and you close your eyes and you start the process of tuning into yourself. Because we get lost in the external. We get lost in all the things we have to do and the roles we have to play for people and the jobs we have to go to. We get lost in everything else and then we're just responding and we're not creating. So when you give yourself time to come back in, get to know yourself because you're cool as shit, I bet. And just take some time to plug back into that soul energy that's constantly giving you guidance, that's constantly telling you what's up, that's constantly saying yes or no if you get to know it. It's a game changer and it will help you know that you're manifesting from a place of what your true desires and what your true alignment are when you get to know yourself, when you get to be honest with yourself. And again, I walk you through all of that and rock your comeback from start to finish of just how to hear that. But yeah, I would say giving yourself time is actually the biggest tool that you can do for manifesting. As as unintentional and unconnected as that sounds, getting to know yourself and getting to know your true desires. Because how do you manifest when you don't even know what you want or who you are? Yeah. And that's a practice. You have to practice it because obviously when you first start out doing something, there's going to be doubts. Is this really, am I able to trust myself? Is what's coming through real? Because you're going to yeah. constantly question yourself. So it's a matter of practice. And like you said earlier, writing those letters to the universe every day too. Well, and like you just said, manifestation is not just trusting the universe. It's trusting yourself. And, and trusting yeah. yourself means yeah. finding little promises and keeping them. That's, that's the basis of self-trust is making a little promise to yourself and keeping it. And when you 
prove to yourself that you are somebody you can trust because you know that if you say you're going to wake up and go for a walk, you're going to wake up and go for a walk. It becomes a game changer. And I also have total belief in the power of writing it down, not just your manifestations, but your intuition, your impulses, your feelings, your guidance. Keep a note section in your phone because that for me was what created so much evidence that the universe is unmistakable and undeniable for me. My intuition is unmistakable and undeniable because I wrote down every intuitive impulse and I couldn't help but go back and be like, oh, wow. That did occur, and I did feel that way two weeks ago, two months ago. When you have proof, because our brain needs proof, and you can provide proof for yourself by keeping a record of these little synchronicities like my sidewalk, or you can create (laughs) lists for yourself of proof. That matters. Our brain needs that. Love that. Thank you for sharing that, Nicole. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment is about feeling strong within yourself, feeling capable within yourself. For me, when I was talking about being a powerhouse, it wasn't so much about believing that I'm the best of the best, but it's just an embodiment of all that I am and being okay that it's not perfect. Being okay that I've had messy things happen in my past or hard things happen in my past. It's owning all of who you are without having to create caveats, without having to be like, this part of me is awesome and this part of me sucks. It's just owning it and then remembering throughout the day that I'm capable of thinking something different. I'm capable of acting a different way. I'm capable of handling a situation. Like empowerment is just the moment to moment trust in yourself that you've got it. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, forward answer type thing, okay? Okay. I'm nervous. (laughs) You got this. Don't worry. You've come this far. This will be a breeze. How would you describe yourself in one word? Powerful. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Manifestation. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Helping people feel powerful. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My dedication to learn. What is one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Peace for others. What never fails to make you laugh? There's this stupid movie called Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, and it's my go-to for any time I need like a real solid laugh. It's the stupidest (laughs) movie, but it just makes me giggle every time. (laughs) (laughs) That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. See, you rocked it. You did great. So fun. (laughs) I like that. That was fun. (laughs) What challenge in your life has shaped you the most, would you say? Having to figure out how to be a parent. I mean, I had my daughter when I was 20 and figuring out who I was alongside of her and having to self-sacrifice for kids and compromise. That's a skill set that you have to figure out and you have to learn and you have to do it without help and you have to do it without guidance. And I think that I don't know who I would be without those little kids. I just don't even know. They were at camp last week and I was like, what do I do with myself? (laughs) What do I spend my time on? But I've just gotten so used to spending intentional time with them. And that is such a massive part of my world. And I just can't envision life without them for sure. Yeah. When we were, when my wife and I were coming up to our girls leaving the nest and holy shit, what the hell are we going to do with ourselves? (laughs) everything has been so focused on the kids and it's like oh man so one left then the other one left a year later it's like holy shit we're alone and now it's funny because we're circling back because my oldest is talking about moving back home now and then my youngest is talking about moving back home it's like 
oh shit, what are we going to do? We've had all this time to ourselves. So, <laughs> so it, it's just I know, circular. It's just, I know. My daughter's 15 and she's going into 10th grade. So we really only have two and a half, three years you know, with her probably in the home. Yeah. And it's just a wild yeah. thought that before <laughs> I'm 40, both of my kids will probably be out of the house. And that's, it's crazy. You know, it's absolutely crazy. It's, it's been good for me to start to think about who am I aside yeah. from that though. That's important. Yeah. Because we do, we, as parents, we tend to get wrapped up in our kids and it's almost like they're our identity for a certain amount of time because we're so focused on them. And then it's like, well, who am I? I mean, yes, I'm still a father. You're still a mother, but they're not here. So they're not dependent upon us nearly as much. So it's like, oh, shit, I can start thinking about what I want to do and what I want for me. So it's good that you're starting to think about it now because you're prepping yourself for when that day comes. It's like, so you'll be somewhat I've never been an adult without children. So yeah, that's exactly, exactly. I've never been an adult without having to take care of. But I also think I'm such a carefree spirit that I always think that if I didn't, I would be like hitchhiking somewhere in, in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> I don't think I would have had a place to land. I don't think that I would have wrote a book. I don't think I would have started a podcast. Like, I don't think I would have been on my life's purpose if it weren't for them. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I would have done any of it. You're probably right. Nicole, what is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? I have a lot to be grateful for, but I think that obviously we talked a lot about it, but just getting pregnant young at the time, it seemed like the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. And it turned out to be what I take, give full credit to who I am and how I am as a person. And I don't know if I would be on this mission to help people if it wasn't for that experience. I really don't think so. What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think every person on this planet should learn at some point in their life? People are good. They mean good and anything can change. And I think the temporary of everything is wonderful and beautiful and helpful because when you're in the good stuff, you get to be grateful for it. And when you're in the bad stuff, you know it's coming to an end. And the other thing I will say is that you've probably grown a lot more than you think you've grown. When I work with people one-on-one, I'll see the way that they're responding to things differently or the way that they're holding themselves differently or caring for themselves differently and how that's impacting their life. And a lot of times people won't see it. You know, they won't see their growth on those small moments in the ways that I can from an outside perspective of a year ago, you would have never said that to that person. You would have never set that boundary. And those small growth moments are magic and add up and they compound into something really incredible. So if you don't feel like you've grown enough, I guarantee you have, first of all. And second of all, just keep going because it will add up to something miraculous at some point. Love it. Beautiful advice. Nicole, what is your why? I have to. I mean, I don't think I would be able to sit still and not do the work I'm doing. I feel called. I feel obligated to my higher self. I feel it in me. I felt it in me since I was born. I just know that I'm supposed to help people, remind people, support people, love people, and hopefully inspire people along the way. But if I didn't do it, I think I would shrivel up. I don't know. I just <laughs> feel, I feel so deeply, so soulfully called to do the work I'm doing that if I wasn't doing it, I don't know if I yeah. would have a purpose here anymore, you know? Yeah. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? Ooh, in the last year. This is going to sound funny, but I 
have really felt like in the last year that I'm a good mom. And as somebody who was a young mom and as somebody who was a talked down to mom by even pediatrics, I mean, they would constantly be like, well, how are you buckling her into her cart? I never felt like I was a good enough mother for a long time. And just this last year, I've just felt so settled into my role as a mother that it feels so good and so light. And the kids and I are so connected and have the best time. And it feels really good to to a belief system that didn't think I was enough for them. That is powerful and beautiful. That's just a reminder too that you can be nailing it in other areas of your life and still feel like a failure in certain ones. Yeah. And you can change it at any given point too. Yeah, you do. We all do. We have the power to change and choose. We, that is one thing. We all have the power of choice and at any time, you can change your circumstance. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take work, but you do have the ability to do it. And only you have the ability to do it. Yeah. I mean, I thought for a long time I had to make up for how depressed I was when the kids were little. I just felt guilty about that for a long time because as much as they were still taken care of, I wasn't mentally present. I was going through the motions and I felt like they knew. And so it took a long time to forgive myself for being checked out for a good first four years of their life, you know? So I think I finally got there. So I'm proud of that. (laughs) Excellent. Well, And so you should be. Kudos to you, Nicole. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? I think Maya Angelou is the most fascinating human. I just would love to sit in her energy. Even if we didn't talk, I think her energy is just so quietly powerful and I mean, I think the conversation would be epic. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like her (laughs) presence alone is universal wisdom that would just hopefully seep into my skin and I could just absorb it all. So yes, for for sure. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? It all works out. If I could go back and tell that girl who was crying over the sink with a pregnancy test in hand, I would just tell her it works out and it works out so much better than you think. You become the person you still want to be. You step into your purpose. You have your dream life with your dream house and your dream car. You get to have it all. It doesn't matter what's happening right now. And I think that's true for, you know, we all go back to that younger version of ourselves where we think our world's imploding. It all works (laughs) out. It always does. It's always the right path, even if it doesn't feel good, even if it feels scary. The universe doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. You just have to stick around long enough to see the outcome. Love it. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I've been thinking about this question, Brad. (laughs) I've been thinking about this. You're capable of anything at any moment you can start over. You have the power within you, around you, supporting you, guiding you, that can help you become the person that you've always wanted to be, that there are so many possibilities, even the ones you're not seeing in front of you, you can step into, you can become, you can have a new life at any given moment. You are never stuck anywhere unless you choose to be, unless you decide to be. There is always an option, even when it's scary, even when it's hard. Beautiful. I don't think that was well, 30 seconds. But that's that's okay. We got, we, got, we got the point across. It was awesome. Nicole, thank you so very much for taking the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story, your journey, and 
the beautiful light that you put out into the world through all the amazing work that you're doing. I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful for our connection, our friendship, and for you being a member of the Empowerography community. You are a truly inspirational, beautiful soul. So thank you. Aw, thank you, Brad. And thank you for inviting me. This was such a great conversation. And I appreciate all your wonderful questions. It was fantastic. Thank you. The honor and the pleasure was all mine. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Nicole Eaton. She is an intuitive therapist, a podcast host, and an author. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, Nicole. Thank you so much. Thanks. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.